It's Monday, April the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Macron v. Le Pen for France and Zelensky's warning to Europe. First, the world in brief. Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen made it through the first round of an election to choose the next president of France. They will face each other squarely in the runoff. Although the result was expected, the polling was tighter than during the last presidential race in 2017. Mr Macron, the centrist incumbent, won around 28% of the vote, and Mrs Le Pen, a far-right nationalist, around 23%. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, a radical left firebrand, fell just short, picking up a surprisingly high 20%. The runoff will be held on April 24th. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said he expects, quote, many times more Russian weapons to be used in the next stage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Russia is moving its focus to the southern and eastern parts of the country, having failed to take the capital, Kyiv. Mr Zelensky also welcomed what he described as a change in position by Germany's Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, who, he said, was now looking more favourably towards strengthening sanctions against Russia. On Sunday, Russian strikes destroyed an airport and damaged a school, among other civilian targets, according to Ukrainian officials. Karl Nehammer, Austria's Chancellor, said that he would meet Vladimir Putin in Moscow on Monday, He hopes to help build bridges and stop the, quote, war of aggression. It will be the first in-person meeting between the Russian president and a leader from the European Union, but not NATO, since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. At least one Ukrainian official criticised the plan. Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister, Irena Verashuk, announced nine humanitarian corridors to allow civilians to flee the east of the country, including from Mariupol, a besieged port city. Civilians in the eastern region of Luhansk were advised to flee immediately. More than 2,800 people escaped via humanitarian corridors on Sunday, Ms Verashuk said. Anton Silouanov, Russia's finance minister, threatened legal action if the West tries to force the country to default on its debt. A default looks inevitable, now that America's Treasury has barred investors from receiving Russian debt payments through American banks. Meanwhile, the World Bank estimated that Ukraine's GDP could fall by 45.1% this year as a result of Russia's invasion. Shanghai counted more than 26,000 new COVID-19 cases on Sunday. The city's lockdown is affecting all 25 million inhabitants directly, and global supply chains far beyond. The city's ability to deliver food to shut-in residents is under severe strain. President Xi Jinping took umbrage at an American travel advisory about the, quote, arbitrary nature of China's, quote, zero-COVID approach and its policy of separating infected children from parents. And Elon Musk said he has decided not to join the board of Twitter, despite his being offered a seat. Mr Musk recently revealed he had acquired a 9.2% stake in the social media, making him its largest shareholder. Investors in Mr Musk's myriad other companies 
worried that adding Twitter to his busy workload would be an extension too far. And now here's today's agenda. Another blow for British courts. Criminal barristers in England and Wales are fed up. On Monday, the association that represents most of them begins a policy of, quote, no returns. This means defence lawyers will stop standing in for colleagues should they be unavailable to argue a case. Defence barristers are compensated by the state when their clients can't afford legal representation. Their pay has stagnated for years. A review in November recommended an immediate minimum increase of 15%. The government offered to do so from October this year. But many lawyers want a bigger rise. The quote, no returns policy will slow the progress of already delayed cases. The average time between suspected crime and verdict in the Crown Court is almost two years. Backlogs reached 60,000 cases last year, exacerbated by closures during the COVID-19 pandemic. Courts are increasingly unable to give everyone a fair and prompt hearing. China's Frightful Economy China releases economic data faster than most countries. But even its numbers cannot keep up with the sharp deterioration of the country's economy as it battles a big outbreak of COVID-19. Restrictions have been imposed in 73 of China's 100 largest cities, according to Dragonomics, a consultancy. Shanghai, which accounts for almost 3.8% of the country's GDP, has become a, quote, ghost city, says Bettina Shun, vice president of the European Union Chamber of Commerce in China. Although, judging by social media, the ghost's frustration with the city's clumsy lockdown is quite palpable. Over the next seven days, China will publish economic data for March, starting with inflation figures on Monday. It will also release first quarter GDP. The economy may have grown by only 0.3% compared with the previous three months. That would equal the second worst result since quarter-on-quarter comparisons began in 2010. The figures for April could be even spookier. India and America face off over Ukraine. The US-India 2 plus 2 ministerial dialogue, a series of meetings between the country's defence and foreign ministers, is meant to highlight common values between the world's biggest democracies. For the fourth summit to be kicked off in Washington on Monday after a call between President Joe Biden and Prime Minister Narendra Modi may reveal a widening divide. India has issued a statement condemning the atrocities in Bucha, but otherwise it remains proudly neutral on Russia's war in Ukraine. It has abstained on 11 resolutions on the war at the UN, insisting that it is acting in its own national interest. America is anxious for India to jump off the fence. It has warned its ally against purchasing Russian oil and weapons, but only gently, wary of alienating an important bulwark against China. At this meeting, America will reportedly offer to help India find alternative sources of weapons. Around half its arms imports come from Russia. 
that may be the best way to coax it out of neutrality. Ripples of War in the Arctic The International Arctic Forum begins in St. Petersburg on Monday. Expect it to be less well attended than previous meetings. On March 3rd, seven of the eight permanent members of the Arctic Council America, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway and Sweden said they would boycott forthcoming meetings in light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The Council's founding document states that it, quote, should not deal with matters related to military security, reflecting the importance of maintaining cooperation in a region fraught with potential conflict. Melting polar ice is making sea routes navigable, deep-sea minerals accessible, and northern frontiers increasingly vulnerable to attack. Russia has built 475 military sites along its Arctic border in the past six years. In response to the invasion of Ukraine, Canada announced plans to strengthen its military presence. The Arctic Council was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize earlier this year. Now conflict looms. Breeding better bees Varroa destructor mites spell ruin for honeybees and beekeepers. The viruses these mites carry ravage commercial colonies. Hitherto, farmers have relied on chemical miticides. But a decades-long program to breed mite-resistant bees appears to have come good. Over the course of a year-long pollination operation in America, the new breed, called Poline, faced off against standard honeybees. The results, published in scientific reports, show Poline bees are more than twice as likely to survive winter. The difference was even more marked in colonies untreated for Varroa. Poline bees are a throwback to the oldest form of genetic modification, selective breeding. When beekeepers noticed that honeybees sometimes expel mite-infested pupae from the colony, they began selecting for this trait. 20 years and many generations later, Poline was born. And not before time. Varroa destructor is becoming resistant to miticides. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to Quiz Espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. What was the name of the TV character dubbed, quote, the six million dollar man? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kurt Vonnegut, who died on this day in 2007. If we are wounded by an ugly idea, we must count it as part of the cost of freedom. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence. 
by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.